Poetic Properties is a complex creation brought to you by Infinitely Complex Production and sponsorship with Peacefully Flawed Apparel, where we believe that no matter the darkness, you have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex the Poet, father, author, and entrepreneur. I'm on this daily mission to find out who I am, and it's becoming so frustrating and exhausting, but I know that it's necessary. Like checking my ego daily and pulling my accountability has become a very hard battle. Um, not that I don't want to do it because it's necessary for my healing to make sure that I'm holding myself accountable for my actions, um, my mannerism, my characteristics, especially as a result to me dealing with people. Um, like right now I feel so lost for real, but like it's so lost that I'm found, if that makes sense. It's just, I'm going in circles, um, kind of, you know, how can I say, I'm going in circles while I'm healing, just making sure that I am healing everything that I possibly can um, as I'm moving forward. And so in that, I'm, I'm finding things that create hella chaos in my mind and trying to reconcile that. Um, the paranoia is insane, trust issues is insane, and it's just like, I don't even put myself in position to really have to trust someone like that. Like, but the smallest things be triggering triggering me. And I know that it's a me thing and not a that person thing. And that's what sucks about dealing with mental health um, issues is that it seems like it's outward and, you know, everybody is, is on your case or everybody is this or that. Um, and then when you start realizing, yeah, you know, in a lot of cases it is that, um, but you, you recognize the other side of creating issues in your mind that don't really exist, or should I say, you know, your mind creating it. Cause I don't think if you, if, if we could, I don't think we would go through the things that, that we do. Um, I'm so critical of who I am. And I don't know if it's the mental health part of it or if that's just a fear response or or what's going on. Um, I notice that when I'm close to succeeding something, I know that I get super duper critical of myself. Like I could put in the work, I could, you know, put in those hours of learning and trying to understand something and get right to the point where I feel like success is coming. And then for whatever reason, self-sabotage sets in and I fall back or I'm quiet, I don't speak up on, you know, whatever the thing is. Um, I'm not very big on talking a lot. And that has hurt me because, you know, I, I, I know I've missed a lot of opportunities from just being silent. Um, I'm very introverted, always been that way, even before this issue uh, with the depression and anxiety. I know that that's something that I have to fix uh, so that I can network better, so that I can try to trust people better um, to move forward in what I'm trying to accomplish because I am very, very aware of that. You can't do a lot of stuff by yourself. I mean, there is there is things like for me, I'm very much isolated 
and, and not dependent on anybody outside of myself, actually, um, as a result to the life that I live. But I'm aware of that in business, even, you know, in family, you know, you can't. It's, let me not say you can't do it by yourself, because a lot of people do do it by themselves. It's not ideal to do um, anything by yourself, whether it's, you know, business or your, your family structure or raising kids and stuff like that. Like, I'm a firm believer that it does take a village to to do a lot of stuff, but I'm also a firm believer that if people can't follow rules of the village, then fuck the village. And then you just let it be that. Um, but I get to these points of feeling like, you know, I'm, all, I'm close to succeeding. I'm going hard and I believe in what I'm doing and stuff like that. And then I freak out. And then, and, and not even that it's a self-sabotage, more so than it's a freak out, and then, you know, I completely stop what I'm doing. Um, and that goes back to what we were discussing about, you know, paranoia, which I'm working on those points daily to to try to get rid of that, because a lot of it is um, unnecessary fear or unfounded fear and uh, creates a, a very disrespectful level of anxiety. Um, and it's just crazy, like, even when I'm at work, like, I, I literally, because no matter where I work at, because I'm just, like, a super hard worker and I keep to myself, I shut my mouth, I'm not one of those people who, um, I'm not going to cause disruption unless you put me in a position to cause disruption. Meaning if you're harassing me or bothering me, you know, it then I'm going to respond, you know, and even then it's going to take me a little while to, to give you a response. You know, I really give people a chance to make sure that, you know, they, they know what they're getting into. Cause I'm very, very extreme. It's like, nothing is too far for me. Once you put me like, once you push me up, put me on a ledge, we're both going to fall off. Um, and I'm not saying that that's okay, but it's just like, I know that I need to start speaking up like right now, right now, instead of just letting it build. And so that's kind of what I've been doing, you know, over the past few months is just kind of speaking up and not letting people bully me per se. Um, and I don't know why that's that. I don't know if I present as docile for myself or for the other person. And I say that because the fear of my responses is not like I'm scared of the person. I'm scared of my reactions. I've always been that way since, you know, since I was a kid. Um, I remember my brother spitting popcorn seeds on me. And then my reaction was to, you know, throw a monkey wrench at his head. You know, I, I, I recall, you know, a time when I was very, very young and I cut my brother um, I cut my brother's leg with a with a box cutter, and I guess it. I mean, they, I, I believe my mom said I said that because he was watching TV and I didn't want him to watch TV. So it's like I've always had very very extreme responses to everything, and so um, never really learning how to deal with it outside of because that again it was the times you know you you do something like that you get your ass beat you move on and, and just it just is what it is but the physical part of it yeah that probably stops right like if you nobody wants to get whoopings right that shit hurt even right now if i get a whooping right now i probably might still cry like it just hurt 
And so the physical part of it is remedied because you don't want to feel that pain again, but you're still going through those, uh, those intrusive thoughts in your head and you have to fight them. And when you have those type of thoughts and they don't get cor uh, corrected, uh, rather through therapy or, or conversations, then you grow up and you, you know, you develop a very high level of mental instability and anger issues and stuff like that. And so I'm very aware of who I am and knowing that I'm very careful on my responses as an adult. Like when I go there, I'm, I know, like I've, I've decided this is what it is. I'm going there. I think I say it every podcast, my responses in life are predicated on if I ever want to speak to you again. I put myself in a position to where I have very little need for outside people. Um, yes, there's want, but I have very little need for, for any of that. Uh, conversations are already very difficult for me um, right now. So it's like, I don't really talk to, to, to many people, right? I'll text, but actual conversation, like I, it, it's still very difficult for me. And I know that that's not the life that I want to live per se, but I know it's necessary to go this route that I'm on so that I can make sure that I'm healing properly. Cause I would, I, I would hate to jump right back into normal flow of life. Um, trying to connect with people going out, um, you know, chilling, trying to get a relationship talking, da, 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 da. And then, I, I jumped into it without rectifying my own issues. And then now I've not only uh, ruined someone, I ruined a friendship, I ruined a relationship. Now I've put more emotional pain on my shoulders that I'm already struggling with emotional pain before. Right? This week, has been a, a lesson for me of what I always say, patience, purpose, and order. Um, this lady at work, she, I don't know what it is about bothering me that, that a lot of these people at work, like, I just, I just don't understand it's in, it's childish, but I make sure that I'm very, very respectful until I'm not. And it's one thing about me, because I am a hard worker, because I am who I am, and I move how I move, people tend to need my help before I need their help. And not that it's a competition, but again, I put myself in a position to where, in everything that I do, my my need for outside people are very, it, it's very minute. Um, and so this lady that's been, you know, kind of causing trouble, she reached out to me, you know, at work last week and she needed my help. And I'm like, I'm cool. I'm like, because you don't know that I know like what you what you've been trying to do on the low. And see, I have kids. And when you're playing with the livelihood of of, of my kids, you you are now an enemy to me. Period. Because that's what I live for. I live for making sure that my kids is good. Uh, make sure that I, I'm, I'm raising, you know, decent human beings, exceptional men, you know, just teaching them things that I need to teach them. And if you plan with my livelihood, I got to focus on on that more than I, I'm able to focus on what I what I need to do to raise my kids. So now you've made an enemy and that's just what that's going to be. So with that, 
I'm like, I really be having to figure out in my, I really be having to figure out my responses because even when I, even when it's one of those things that I don't really care if I talk to you again, I still don't want to be disrespectful. Like I want to, I don't want to, well, let me not say that. I don't want to be more disrespectful. Like I want to give you the equal amount of disrespect that you gave me so you understand like where we stand, like so that it's an even playing field of I'm going to respect you if you respect me, but if not, like we could, we could go there. Just to, you know, just to let you know, like, that's, that's just what it is. I think people um, hear mental health and, 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 and see weakness, right? Because a lot of times when you're dealing with mental health, you know, it's a, it's a memory loss. It's a, it's, a, it's a deficit, right? And so people try to take advantage of that. I don't think a lot of people are aware that there is very, there is a, a, a high percentage of people going through um, being bipolar, being schizophrenic, high depression, high anxiety, but still um, are mentally strong enough to operate in in life. And the thing, you know, just because they have that diagnosis, it doesn't uh, it doesn't take away from who they are. Like it doesn't take away the strength to defend themselves. A lot of people probably don't defend themselves because, like me, it's like fam. The way that my mind is set up, I'm going to go to the extreme every time. So I, I, I have to calm down. I have to make sure that I'm that I'm chilling. I have to make sure I'm not responding to things unnecessarily, whether it be um, the situation at work, whether it be the kids wilding out. And listen, I, I don't I don't even these kids, man. Like it, it it's a whole, especially as they're they're uh, aging. I thought it would be easier as they start getting older outside of the I hate my dad phase, because even in that, when you have that, um, even when you get to that phase of I hate my parents, I hate authority, yada, yada, whatever, um, even when you get to that point, there is a certain level of um, decency that, that, you know, you still have between you and the kids or whatever, you and your parents, and, like, I get to this point with them or I'm at this point with them. It's just like, it's very, very difficult to, to parent them. And I don't know if it's because I'm the primary parent and, and, and they just feel like, all right, well, this is what we got. And we just go, you, you get to get the, the headache. You get like, I have to deal with every aspect of it. And so when I be trying to tell them like, yo, like y'all do realize that like I'm me, right? Like, like y'all do realize, like I'm, I'm the person that, that being here and, you know, we've been rocking and stuff because they be doing certain things. And it's just like, I, that part I don't get. Like I have a very, very, very strict rule in my house. Like you get to do the things that kids are, are like, you get to make the mistakes that kids make without me threatening you, without me taking stuff from you, without me, you know, trying to act like I'm going to whoop you, all that type of stuff. Like, and it, cause it's been this way for a while. You get that. Right. But when it's when it's straight disrespect and it's straight, you know, you just going to do what you want to do because you want to do it, especially in the event that we've had a conversation about it and you still just do it. That's where um, that's where the disrespect kicks in. That's where the I respond because this is what I have to tell myself, respond, but make sure that you you respond in a healthy way. After a couple weeks ago, I'm like, no. Like, this is the phase of life where I have to let up on 
those are my sons and now activate I y'all are young men trying to figure out y'all life and, and y'all gonna try to do what y'all gonna want to do which is fine as long as it's not disrespectful me into my house like because you don't you don't pay bills here and not that that even matters because I'm not one that is is big on putting kids out um I am one on encouraging to leave though right um because if you don't want like you don't have to be nowhere you don't you don't want to be like there's always somewhere else. There, it, it's always somewhere else. If you feel like where you're at is not is not good enough, and so we have certain conversations and stuff. And I, I keep it. I try to keep it lightweight to make sure that you know they understand what's going on. I always give them an opportunity to communicate with me. Um, just trying to teach them how to maneuver through being mad. Try to maneuver through you know maybe being a little bit sad. And even if uh, if so, if if either of them is struggling with mental health things um the door is open for them to come to me and and we have a discussion and either you know them and I try to fight through it or you know always say hey if you therapy is always an option for you like I'm not ashamed of that I make sure that they aren't ashamed of that because we just want to for me I just want to leave my kids uh a better life better mental health better physical health than you know I had that I'm going through, right? So just dealing with that, you know, trying to make sure that I'm I'm holding my accountability in order, making sure that I'm doing the right thing in the situations that I'm involved in, um, like it's it's taking a toll on me, right? And then, you know, on top of everything that's been going on with my health before and just kind of trying to keep everything in control, I got another yet another diagnosis on last Friday. And it's not detrimental like that. Well, it could be detrimental if I don't, if I don't uh, handle it right. But finding that out, like, kind of triggered some more, like, I guess, you know, if I'm being honest, like, woe is me type feelings because I just, I don't understand because I'd be doing what I'm supposed to to make sure I stay healthy and it's just let me know that sometimes no matter how you, how hard you try, to make sure everything is is good is just not in the cards for you. Like no matter how hard, no, how healthy, you know, how much you exercise, whatever, watch what you eat, you know, sometimes things just hit you and it just sucks because you just, you got to be able to just deal with it. And so I'm like, all right, bet it is what it is. And then, you know, got the medicine and like ever, it's been a week and I've been in shambles. Like, you know, hella side effects. And it's not out, it's what I found <laughs> after reading uh, the little pamphlet that came with it, um, I get, these are normal side effects, I guess. I mean, I don't wish this on nobody. It's just really weird how painful it is. And I've been struggling with it, you know, um, all the last week, even today I woke up and I was just like, bro, like this can't be life. But again, it it goes back to like, episode 50 or 60 something like that when I just start saying it's it's crazy how pain is the always the indicator of progression always like it's it it never fails like you can everything could be going good and you you're not going to elevate because you're going to get comfortable you're going to be at peace and it's just weird like even if you know this is like like you can be at the top level of what you're doing right 
and everything could be going smooth. You could be going comfortable and then you get complacent per se. And then boom, tragedy happens and not necessarily tragedy as in death or anything like that, but tragedy in the sense of business or uh, a relationship. And then that's the thing that elevates you to the next thing. And I'm learning that even our bodies are that way. Like, like, this medicine is, is forcing my body to detox. But prior to the detox process, like my body just started really, really cramping up, like really, really bad. And I'm just like, yo, what, you know, what is going on? And so I realized that, and I'm, and, and I'm saying this loosely because I'm a guy and I don't know how it feels, but it's almost like that last couple pushes of pregnancy when the labor is super duper strong and every and, and you're dilating and you 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 at nine you at nine five trying to get to ten and like I'm envisioning this this pain that you that like this is probably the worst pain you ever felt in your life and then you birth something right everything in my life has been long travailing. And it births something. Now, if it's good or bad, I, you know, it'd be hit and miss. But the pain that you endure trying to get to the next thing, whether it's purposeful pain or whether it's just pain that just comes as you're just trying to stay out the way. It's going to birth something great. It's going to birth healing. It's going to birth um, elevation, it's going to birth life, it's going to birth finances, like whatever the thing is that you putting in that work to, whatever it is that you're travailing for, it's going to come through, but you got to go through the pain and that, and, and it sucks. It really, it, it really does suck because it's like, why do I have to, why do I have to, to go through this to get there? But like I always say, you know, we have to go through something to get somewhere. And that's something a lot of times it's not going to be, you know, uh, valleys of, of daffodils and sunshine and butterflies. Like a lot of that's going to be goddamn uh, dirt roads and, and nails in the in the in the road and you have to maneuver through it. And, you know, it's, it's tumbleweeds and cactuses and shit like that. But trust me. Your journey is what it's meant to be. And, you know, as long as you keep it pushing and doing what you're supposed to do, it's going to make sense in the end. It's going to make sense in the end. Like I keep saying that, you know, healing is everlasting. And so is pain. And what we don't realize is that pain and healing go hand in hand. Like we think that, like we, we get the pain, like when, we, like when you was little, right, and you fall. Once you fall and you start bleeding and, excuse me, and you peroxide or alcohol to put a Band-Aid on it, yada, yada, whatever, you think it's over. Like as a kid, you, all right, cool, I got a Band-Aid. Excuse me. Cool, I got a Band-Aid. Everything is better. Like, I don't, I, like oh, I'm, I'm great. But then that, that irritating itch starts. And that scab begins to 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 form. And because we're human beings, and I know a lot of adults, you know, to this day are like this. Like, because we're human beings, we're going to scratch the itch. We know that we shouldn't. We know realistically, okay, 
this thing right here is trying to heal and I shouldn't touch it, but as human beings, we're going to scratch it off. And then what happens? You get that immediate burning sensation and you get that because it's not ready. Now you reopen whatever the wound is and you get that bright red blood leak. And then you have to start the process over. And what I'm learning is you got to stop pulling the scabs. You have to. Like you can't let that irritation of itch frustrate you so much that you yank it back off and you reopen the wound. Because you're prolonging your healing. Yeah, no, they itch and it's irritating. And then after that itch, you know, if you if, like when you finally allow it to for real heal, after the itch comes that tenderness, that bruise. And so now you're frustrated because dang, like I I fell a week ago. We broke up two years ago. This tragedy happened a year ago. So in your mind, you're like, why is it, why does it still hurt? You're 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 being it's bru it's bruising. That pain is healing. Allow it allow it to do what it do. We 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 try to run from it. We try to, like I said, we try to pick that scab off before it's ready, and then we try to clean it up. And then what happens? It forms another scab. And it takes you a while as a kid to realize, like, I gotta quit trying to snatch it off. Because it hurts every time I snatch off that scab. And as adults, that's what we have. We have to remember who we were as kids. We have to remember those thoughts. Like when we're going through breakups, when we're going through, uh, um, you know, difficult job situations, when we're going through difficult situations where our kids, we have to start understanding and, re and remembering the pain is not to stop us. The pain is part of the healing process. And so it's mandatory and necessary for it to hurt. I cry about Kennedy all the time, not for sympathy, but because it hurts. My mind and my heart is still bruised from losing that. I get frustrated over my ex often, not because I want to bring chaos to her life, but my heart is bruised from that. I get frustrated, you know, when I'm doing stuff for the business and, you know, not even my friends are reposting or not even my friends are, are purchasing or even saying anything about it. And that don't have nothing to do with them because people like what they like. It doesn't matter if I'm your friend. But that's, a, that's something that I'm, that's a bruise from something I had to deal with as a kid. And so the way that it's working for me when I'm, when, when I'm going through stuff as an adult and I'm remembering those moments as a kid where I felt the same thing, I'm able to, you know, kind of reconcile them uh, a little bit, a little bit better. And it brought me to the realization that I got to stop trying to be pain free. It's not going to happen. If I honestly want to heal, I, I, I have to accept what the pain is. I have to be able to identify what it is. And in order to do that, I got to let it hit me. I got to know that I, I got to know that, you know, my ex is out living her best life. I got I, I got to know that because that's part of healing. I got to know that, you know, uh, uh, 
that job that did me wrong. I gotta, I gotta know that they're doing good or bad. I, I, that person, that friend that, you know, that was disrespectful. Like, and, and I'm, when I say I got to know, I'm saying that uh, rhetorically because I don't be reaching out to people and bothering people. But all that pain that I endured from friendships, from broken relationships, from disrespectful, you know, bosses or disrespectful jobs in general, like, I got to, I got to deal with it. And not and not deal with it for the other person because listen, none of us know if heaven or hell is really true, right? None of us know that for real. Like you, it, it just is what it is. I would hate to die with a dark heart, and heaven and hell be a real thing. So I'm not concerned with what you're doing for real. I have to endure the pain of what I allow, and I have to process it and make sure that I identify who I am. I've been through so much that I'm just so used to things going bad. I'm so used to it being difficult for me to succeed at things. I'm used to it. Like, I, I, it's, it's not even, I don't even know how else to say it. You know, a lot of people uh, get into the, oh, you know, again, victim mentality. No, it's not. It, I'm As hard as I work at certain things, it's just a lot of things don't work out for me. Like, it, they just don't. And it's like, I'm cool with it. You know, that's why I don't, that's why I don't tell people because it's like, I can go, I can go months and months and months, nothing happening, right? And then something happens and you, you talk to someone and they're like, dang, you always got something going on. And it's like, God damn, like, I was just chilling this whole time. Nothing was going on. And so for me, it's like I've experienced that so many times that I don't be telling nobody nothing for real. I don't be telling nobody anything. Shit. I done spilled the goddamn water. Well, y'all know me. That ain't getting cut out. So um, I don't be t I don't tell people a lot because... I hate that feeling that somebody got off the phone with me or, you know, read my text and, you know, sat and laughed at what I was going through or had a, a, a disrespectful thought. Oh, shit. The thing is down there. Hold on. Oh, fuck. Um, can y'all still hear me? All right. Definitely not taking it out, but um, so yeah. So back to the point of healing is is everlasting, and so is the pain. And understanding the two go hand in hand, that has to be understood. Um, we got to start running ourselves in the ground and understand that pain is inevitable. Uh, the reality of the reality of that set in as I was taking notes and. For whatever reason, like I'm, and I don't even say for whatever reason, and because I'm not ashamed of it, but I'm very, very um, emotional as it results to my healing process. So if I need to cry, I'm definitely gonna cry, like 100%. Um, it, it is what it is. And so when certain things 
um, click for me. And I, I get emotional because it's like, dang, like I'd be really trying to to be the best version of who I am. And um, as I was taking notes and I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm crying and, and, and trying to figure out uh, the real issues. Right. I'm not I'm not um, clinical. Like everything that I'm going through with mental health is experience and me doing my own research, reading um, articles, you know, um, from Ivy League researchers and, and stuff like that. Like really taking the time to to try to understand what's going on. And as I'm breaking stuff down, it that's it, man, the 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 level of vulnerability that you have to allow yourself to allow these thoughts and, and, and memories in so that you can try to heal from it. And then it's like when, you, when you're trying so hard at something and then you're like, oh shit, that's what it is. The emotions just overflow. And so it's just like, it's, it's hella crazy. Like um, as I was taking these notes that just set in and I just completely broke down. Like I, I take my accountability, I take it seriously. Like, and I'm, like, as I take notes about myself and, and just, you know, my journaling and, and my thoughts and stuff, and it, it just, it's difficult. I notice things about myself that, you know, others might have recognized, and my understanding was off. I told you, I think three, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, like, I had a conversation with my ex, and this, like, I'm telling you, like, it, this shit sticks with me. And I like I vowed to myself, like, yo, like I, I don't I don't want to be this way. And she had made a statement like, you know, in those times that you you were talking, you know, you didn't different differentiate me as your partner. You spoke to me like you would speak to to one of the kids. And I was like, cause in my mind, of course you're gonna get defensive. I'm like, what? Nah, like I always I always talk to you like you was we was equal and stuff like that. But how I said it and how it was it, how it was taken is two different things. If it's taken as disrespect and I'm saying it as disrespect, or, or even if I'm not saying it as disrespect, like it's that person's gonna take it as that, and it's gonna take it's gonna take a toll on them, you know. And whether they're silent about it or they speak up about it in real time, like it's up to them. But I tripped out this week because I'm like, there's a lot of things that I'm growing on. There's a lot of things that, you know, I'm fighting through. And, you know, I'm, I've never been a disrespectful person in general, right? I've always been very loving, um, caring, helpful, and stuff like that. So that's not the part that worries me about, you know, my characteristics. But a lot of times you see it one way, especially when I was younger, and not one way like I'm, um, I'm not going, I'm not wanting to accept another way, but it's like once you get to, to a point to where I'm quote unquote right, like that's, that's what it is. Even if someone is saying something to you, you're going to walk away from that conversation or that meeting or that thing feeling like I'm right, but I'll figure out how to slide their opinion or their thing or their action. I'll figure out how to slide that into what I got going on, right? And I, I really... I really am learning how to heal for real. And I'm telling y'all, as much as it hurt, I'm not saying do it all at once, but as much as it hurt, you gotta let that pain be the pain. Like the more I'm I'm willing, the more I'm willing to heal, the harder the process gets. But I have a very high level of patience. 
and I'm willing to be patient enough with myself so that I can heal for real, whether it's a week from now, a month from now, or whether I'm, I'm trying to heal for the rest of my life, I'm that patient with myself that I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to give myself the opportunity to be who I feel like is my complete self on earth. We have to have grace with ourselves. We, we, we don't. We feel like we have to do everything that everybody else is doing. We, have, we feel like everything has to be right now, right now, right now. Like nobody really is setting plans for themselves and, and really paying attention to what they need for themselves. It's always what society says we need. Or, you know, once you have kids, you feel like you got to be a certain way to the kids and you lose yourself in that. You lose your identity and, and, and it's just like, yo, so you, 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 it's a two, it's a, it's a double-edged blade, right? Either lose yourself in the idea of the thing, parenting, relationship, work, entrepreneurship, or lose yourself in a sense that I'm not listening to nobody. I got this. I'm going to do this by myself. There's no middle ground there in a lot of us. Either we are, either we are uh, uh, the parent, we are the spouse, we are the model employee, or we like fuck all that shit, deadbeat, uh, not really going to work for real, not trying to be creative, not being respectful and stuff like that. Um, we get lost in mainstream ideas. That's something that bothers me right now heavily is that we keep, like last night, um, I was looking through TikTok and I remember I saw this this cooking um, this cooking TikTok, like when I very first got on there. It, it was this guy, I believe, in... Um, he was the only one doing this particular type of a video for his cooking, like very aggressive, slamming stuff down. And it was like a, you know, the sound effects. Probably like a month or two later, like I saw like, like 30, 40 different people doing that. They don't get the views that he gets. And it's like, I get it. Nothing is new under the sun. But when you are directly mimicking someone because you feel like this is what society wants to see and how they want to see it, and then you you put your all into it and you don't get the same reply, you don't get the same responses as this person that just, all right, like I'm just I'm doing this because it was fresh to me. Um, this is I thought it is, yada yada, whatever. It's crazy how social media really tells you how the world, how the world moves. You see relationship goals. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but those are your goals because the dress is nice, the suit is nice, the car is nice, the skin is good, the hairlines is intact, uh, uh, the BBLs work, um, the, the workouts work, whatever, whatever's going on. You see the person traveling the world, and it's like, I got to travel the world too. 
you see your your 30 year old friends 35 year old friends they're married they have homes you know multiple homes and multiple cars now you got to do that too because you grew up with them and you guys had the same opportunity the same same chances and this is the thing that I hated I, I hate about that statement there's a lot of people that I grew up with and we have the same exact living situation, poverty. But just because, like, I'll give you a better example. Me and my best friend, we was, we was raised in the same exact environment, same exact environment, right? His mental health is not like my mental health. Like, when I mean the same exact environment, same middle school, same high school, same junior college. Same exact, same exact area. He's a college graduate with his master's. I don't have a college degree. It's not because I'm not smart. It's because my mental health is what it is, and he was able to escape what we grew up in and become successful in that way. But I was able to become successful in this way. So when we're telling people, oh, we grew up with the same environment, saying this, no, what about your mental health? What type of parents did you have? What type of guidance did you have? What type of things were instilled in you as a human being to make you do or, or to create that fork in a road of choices? You see what I'm saying? This is why I'm very big on allowing my kids to, uh, to be free in how they grow so that I could observe, so that I can present to them the fork in a road needed to move them to the next thing. Like, I don't, like, and I'm just going to be honest, like, I love my kids, and everybody who knows me know that I love my kids, but it's bigger than that. You know, from birth to about six or seven, yeah, it's like, oh, my God, I wanted kids, and that's, a, that's for me. Like I, like, I had you for me, right? Once they get, like, six or seven, it's like, all right, I got to, like, you about to live in, in a world that you're not prepared for. So that idea of, oh, I had these kids for me, because to fulfill something that I that I was missing on the inside or or, you know, the idea of me wanting to, you know, uh, uh, extend my bloodline. Right. So those first, you know, that birth into six years for 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 your kids is just, oh, it's all happy. Like, think about this. It's all like, oh, my God, my baby. He's so amazing. He could draw. He can do this. Like about seven or eight. It's like, man, if these fucking kids don't go to college already. Because that emotion has died down and that selfishness of I wanted this for me has died out. And now it's like the real work happens because you realize I got to prepare you in a way that I wasn't prepared. And knowing that, I'm very, very subtle in how I deliver information to people. The world right now is, and not even right now, it's just, it, I feel like it's gonna be this way forever, right? Um, societal standards rule, period. 
If you go against it, you're, I'm telling you, you're going to be alienated, disrespected, laughed at. Like, it's just, it, it is what it is. Like, we, we live in this world where uh, clickbait and, and shock value is the thing that gets you over. No matter how many times you do good, no matter how many times you help, no matter how many times you give, it is not going to be as poignant, poignant as the failure, the hurt, the mistake, right? It's people who go years and years and years with perfection. And meaning, and, and by perfection, I mean like not getting in trouble, not doing crazy things, you know, being being a stand-up person, human being to the people that they love, to their community, stuff like that. The moment, you know, that mistake hits the 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 news, all these articles is out. I knew this person wasn't shit. Da 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 da. I knew that that happiness and that joy, and I knew that that was fake. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I'm so I'm not allowed to make a mistake. And that's how we live. And so because of that, everybody is shock value. Everybody want to post the 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 police shooting. Everybody want to post the the fight. Everybody want to post the argument. Everybody want to post. Um, like so much negative and, and chaotic things. Yeah, these things have been going on for for decades, eons at this point, probably since the beginning of the time. But now, like the worst thing to me is that, you know, we have access to cameras immediately and very good cameras at that. And because our minds are wired to be attracted to chaos, to be attracted to violence, that's what gets people over. Like... For the life of me, like, I don't understand how that works. I get it. You know, there is police shootings. There is fightings. There is suicide. There is people going hungry. There, like, I get all that. But posting it for the sake of posting it or talking about it just for the sake of talking about it, that's a useless situation. So if it's not help coming, why are you, why are we here? And everybody has the idea to where, well, um, I'm just posting because somebody else was going to post it. And I'm just posting it because y'all know how it go. If you, you'd be the first to post it and then boom, you're viral and then money start coming in. I know there is a lane for the clickbait, the shock value. I know it. I see it every day. I will point to the people who are actually trying to help. When does it become easy for them? Like, when is it like when you see somebody consistently trying to help and do good and make and, and post good and motivate and inspire um, and give back? Like, um, I follow these I follow these two guys on uh, Twitter. Um, one is Bill Pulte. Um, actually, his family, his family. I don't know him personally, but his family. Um, run Pulte Homes or used to run Pulte Homes and they build one of the one of my favorite homes that I just aspire to to get. I don't even think they, they do it anymore. Um, but then it's this uh, musician, his name is Jay Kane. And I look at them and I they inspire me because them dudes all day, all day, all they do is look for people to give money to. They all all day they look for people in need um, and they try to help. 
and every so often, like, like, and I'm, and when I tell you, like, every other post is them trying to figure out how to give people money and help them. And people really be mad about that. People really be upset, like, you know, oh, this is fake, like accusing them of, you know, doing it for quote unquote clout. And it's like, if you look back through their pages, this is what they do. Yeah, they get money and they live their life and stuff like that. And, you know, it's wrong if you are dependent on them, you know, to try to get money. But it'll be it'll be dumb for you not to um, if you are a follower of them and know, you know, about them and what they're doing and you support them. It would be dumb of you not to respond when they're in those modes of, hey, I'm, I'm about to give away money, you know, post your cash shop, yada, yada, whatever. I've seen people be so disrespectful to them unnecessarily for helping people because everybody don't want to see you win and it's easy like to get jealous because you have a need right it's easy to 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 get frustrated because you have a need and they chose someone else but it's like at what point do you keep working for yourself and if you if if they choose you they choose you but you shouldn't be dependent on that I guarantee you if they start being negative and they start cussing people out and they start, oh, you know, and they start uh, engaging with the negativity, I guarantee that that would be more entertaining to people. And so then, you know, they'll start wanting to see what the cause is. I should not have to be mean to you. I should not have to be aggressive to you. Um, I should not have to present myself in a shocking way for you to want to be good. And society puts us in that position to where what like I don't however our, our brains are wired like I just don't I don't understand why we choose the violent part over the positive part in how we move around and how we think like why is it like I don't I, I don't and identifying who I am I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the guy to shift who I am or shift what I'm doing to fit what society says. If my numbers stay low because this is how I choose to to run uh, the business, then that's that's what it's going to be. If I'm not comfortable with making certain moves, I'm not going to make those certain moves. Um, like I was just like I was doing stuff for the store. And, you know, you get bombarded with, like, especially when you're dealing with vendors, like, you get bombarded with, you should do this, you should do that, this is hot, that is hot, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I'm not going to let you bully me into some bullshit because it's my money that I have to pay for it, right? So I'm not going to let you bully me because you say that, that this is hot or this is not because for me, I'm not looking for the hot thing. I'm looking for the thing that is is going to be sustainable. I'm looking for the connection in my apparel that you understand. Like this, not like I'm not. I'm not trying to be on 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 the catwalk. These are tangible items, so you could make sure that if you if nothing else, you could look down at your chest and see the peacefully floss uh, a tree of life and understand that. Listen, it's going to get difficult, you know. But as it gets difficult and 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 we water those seeds, it's going to come back to us. No matter how it looks, it's going to come back to us. 
those leaves they're gonna fall and they're going to saturate the earth underneath it that the tears of life are going to water it and then you're gonna grow like we get we keep getting lost in these mainstream ideas and it's clickbait and shock value and we be trying to be seen and that's not how you want to be seen trust me because that's a tiresome life I know these reality TV uh, shows. I know the cast. I know they'd be so tired. Like the chaotic ones, I know they'd be going home and they, they say cut and then they turn back into who they really are as people. I know it has to bother them, but that money is good. And what's sad is that a lot of those people that are really not like that on those reality shows, no matter what they do in life, they'll always be known for, for that chaos. They'll always be known to create that shock value. They'll always have that reputation of uh, don't let them in here because you, this is how they are, this is how this, this is how that, because they're allowing societal standards to, to turn them into something that they're not. You know, and for me, um, this has a large hand in, in um, adding to imposter syndrome. Like, we work extremely hard and go unnoticed. But the moment we express track, like, like I'm gonna keep it a buck. Alright. I've been me since I've been me. And I've been the parent that I have that I am. I've been a parent that I am since I was a parent, like off rip. I'm I'm this like I'm super loving, super attached, super caring, super, you know, like like people be people <laughs> you know how people be saying like I can't wait to get a wife or a husband cuz I'm a my wife, my husband, y'all to death. Like my wife, my wife, my husband. That's how I want kids. Like I'm a my kids, I'm a my kids y'all till I'm blue in the face and I'm like that with my own kids. I'm like that uh with my stepkids. I'm like that with my God babies. Like, it doesn't change who I am, right? I'm going to be who I am. The moment I mentioned, the moment I mentioned that there was a rift between me and my daughter's mom, people start paying attention. My oldest daughter's mom. People start paying attention. I remember like I remember like yesterday when it first happened and like I first finally said something like it was back to back. Oh, you good? You this, you that. And it's like, huh? Like you, you like you didn't you didn't see none of the good stuff? You didn't see all the assemblies? You didn't see you you, you didn't see me at, at like you didn't you didn't see none of that, but you saw the loss, you saw the chaos, you saw the pain, right? Again, chilling. Life is life. Positive. My kids, my kids, my kids. School, honor roll, da 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 da. Nothing. Kennedy passes. We're back. Every, everybody's back interested. What? You lost a child? Da 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 da. Why the pain bring you here? I've been positive this whole time. I've been loving this whole time. I hate that I'm this aware of uh, of life, if I'm being honest. Like, it's, again, another thing. It's a double-edged sword because it's like, I hate that I'm this aware, but it's necessary for me to heal. 
because I got to see. I have I have to make sure that you I have to to know why you're here. But this creates a, this this as to imposter syndrome. And as I'm you know trying to figure out who I am and understand why is it that chaos is so important in people's life? Why is that the thing that wants to you know uh, brings the attention? I don't want to talk about. Uh, I don't want to talk about Kennedy with people don't who don't understand stillbirth, who don't understand understand losing a child for real, who don't understand parenting. Like if you a horrible last parent, don't fucking tell me nothing about losing a kid. I don't want your condolences. I don't like like get that shit to your kids. If you haven't been through it, it's difficult for me to to listen to you. Like I'm, I've been like I'm that way with everything. It's very hard for me, and I've always been this way as a result to saying anything to me about my kids. If you don't have, if you do not have kids, you are not in the educational field. If you're not an involved um, aunt or uncle, grandparent, godparent, then I don't have nothing for you. I can't like, I, I don't, I don't have no time for you, because you're giving me perspective that I don't, I no longer have. Like I no longer, I, I don't even have the opportunity to have have that perspective. So you tell you talking to me from there is like you yelling from a mile away without a microphone. I don't know what the fuck you talking about. But with that, it 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 affects who you are. And so as I'm taking notes for this episode um, or this session, like I'm like, man, like what is going on with me, and why do I I feel like I I feel when it hit me like oh shit, like I do suffer from um, imposter syndrome. I do, um, I do have an issue. And so I start researching like, you know, the for real details and, and what is imposter syndrome? And is it, is it just one regular set thing or is it multiple things? And as I found out what it was and how it was, I broke down. Because I'm hella dope. And why I don't talk about it, who knows? Who fucking knows? I have so much stuff going on. And like I said, you know, a little bit earlier, it's like when I get to that point of I'm about to succeed, it's this it's it's a switch that tells me to chill. For whatever reason, like I'll be going hard, you know, uh, selling the books. I'll be going hard doing the port. I'll be going super hard, and then it's like, oh, you 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 right there, and then fear sets in, and so I'm looking up, you know, what imposter syndrome is, and I'm going through it. And um, what I found is that it, what I found over reading a few uh, a few articles is that, you know, it's a consensus that there is, you know, about five different different parts of it. And so um, the perfectionists, the perfectionists typically set very high expectations for themselves. And even if they meet 99% of those goals, a small loss will feel like a large failure. Anybody who's in my immediate handful of people know that this is me. It could be the smallest things, and I've talked about this before. Everything will be going perfect in my eyes. 
the smallest thing shifts me enough to ruin a day. And one day I wanted to cook, and I'm just using this because this is a tangible thing, and this is something that you know happens often with freaking teenagers and stuff. I mean, we, me and my brothers did it too, like you know, to take the chicken out the of the freezer deal. I'll say to the kids, "Hey, tomorrow I'm cooking chicken enchiladas. Take the chicken out so that I can get it in a crock pot." when I wake up, right? I'll get up, because in my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna start the chicken, cut the vegetables, yada, yada, whatever, um, get the chicken in a crock pot so I can shred it later on. I'll get up, don't see the chicken taken out, um, nowhere to be sight, nowhere in sight, or nowhere to be seen. That now has, like, that now has altered my entire day. The reason why that's an issue is because I get up like four or five o'clock because the chicken is not thawed one because the chicken is not thawed and I can't stick to my plan of getting up, making my coffee while I'm making my coffee. I'm getting the, the, the chicken prepared to get in the crock pot because I can't do that. Now I have to thaw it out. Now I have to wait till it thaws out. Now it alters my schedule. I often just don't cook for that day. I know that's irrational. But that one thing always, that 1% always throws me off. I didn't realize I was searching for perfection. Um, because like I tell you guys, perfection equals completion, completion. There's nothing after completion, so that's death. I had no clue how perfect I was trying to, to, to be in my head. I had no clue. I just kept saying to myself, I need to work harder. I need to get to this. I need to, like, that's my, my motto. I, it's always been my motto. I remember they used to say, um, I used to brown nose. I used to be a brown noser and try, trying to, um, I guess, get preferential treatment from the coaches, right? I'm like, bro, this is just who I am. If I got to be out here in this hot-ass sun with these pads on, I'm going to do my best at it. Either I'm either I'm a quit, or I'm gonna give you all of me. I'm not I'm not half-assing it. That's how I've always been. Even in track, we used to have to run these circuits for practice. I used to run them circuits like my life depended on it. Not to like to my friends and my peers, it's like, oh, you brown nosing, da 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 da. And it's like, no, I'm trying to get it done. I'm not out here to play because if I don't go hard here and I'm not practicing here and I'm not preparing here, when I get under them lights to run, I'm going to be embarrassed. Not because of a loss, but because of a loss that I didn't prepare for. I'm fine if I'm like, if people are just faster than me, that's, that's one thing. But if I'm not taking my workout serious and I'm not taking, you know, my conditioning serious and then I get cooked, that's a different thing for me. And I've always been that way. And that has that I have, um, 
taking that into my adulthood. But again, as I'm working out, as I'm trying to be healthy, as I'm trying to, you know, live life, as I'm trying to parent properly, one thing could go out of out of whack. And now I'm done for. I'm the I'm the worst parent in the world. Um, who who let me be a parent? Why do I have to do this by myself? That it, like going crazy. Even at work, I bring in these people, and, and not just me, but I bring in these people, uh, bring millions of dollars into these people. The moment I get caught out for an error, like if it's a real error, like it bothers me. And I don't even fuck with them people like that. That's their money, their job. I'm there for eight hours to do what I'm supposed to do. But it, like I'm just being honest, I don't like, I don't like the errors. I know it's inevitable, but when it hit, like it alters my day. It's weird because I was taught to have a bad memory as a result to that. I'll never forget my coach, uh, Tony Crutchfield, high school. You gotta have you gotta have a bad memory, Peanut. You can't worry about the you can't worry about the good play that you made, and you can't worry about the bad play you made. You gotta worry about the play you about to have right now. We'll talk about it after the game, but right now you got to have a bad memory. You have to you have to deal with the thing that you have to deal with. The past is the past. If you are breathing, you have another opportunity to not make that mistake again. And so now I'm like, oh, that's what it is. That's the imposter in me feeling like I'm supposed to be at 100%. The imposter me that feels like everything that I have to do, it has to be great. And I'm like, it's weird because I look at, you know, artists and poets and, and people that I that I love and um, that uh, inspire me. And I look at their journeys of life and they, that shit is not perf perfection. It's not perfection. And you don't really know that until you start digging into people's stories. And they're real stories, not the clickbait, not the shock value, stuff like that. But literally researching who these people are. And it's like, oh, crap. Like, I like I see what you went through to get there. I see why you're so great. I see why you kept fighting and it didn't matter to you as long as you as long as you had air in you, you kept fighting to get to the greatness of who you are. So everybody could see it in the way that they needed to see it. And you didn't let those those that one percent take you off. That shift into the natural genius. The natural genius has been top of the class for as long as they can remember. Um, and in their school days, success came re relatively easily. As they grow and mature, however, they are bound to encounter scenarios where achievement doesn't present itself as second nature. And hard work or struggle is required, to, uh, is required for their desired results. Bruh. It wasn't until high school and, I, and specifically 10th grade. It wasn't until 10th grade that my school just, like, I thought ditching was cool. I got into girls very, you know, very heavily trying to impress them, trying to impress friends and stuff like that. And, um, and my schooling dropped off my last three years. It picked back up my freshman year of junior college. Um, and then I just I just stopped 
not because I was incapable, but because I was trying to get money. Like, you know, the my football dreams was over, track dreams was over, and I was like, I need a job. Um, but prior to that, prior to that, just like my just like my sons, always had very good grades. Always got, you know, student of the month type stuff. Um, like I told y'all, sports most inspirational. Like I've always been in my mind in in Genius is pushing it. Like, and so I'm saying that loosely. I never really felt like I was um, a genius at anything that that I was attempting to do in life. But uh, success came easy for me at school. Once I decided I wanted to play football, success came easy to me in football. Once I decided that I wanted to run track, success came easy for me. And so when I'm when I'm an adult and I'm like, oh, you know, I have the mental capacity, I have the idea, I have the tenacity and the know-how to get something done. And I'm I'm applying it and I'm like, I'm I'm giving it my all and that shit don't work, I'll be losing it. Like, wait, what is this? I don't I don't know what this is. Like, I'm used to being able to um, I'm used to being able to do two weeks of just conditioning, right? My entire life, my entire life in sports, whether it be track or football, we had hell week. Hell week is to test to see where, you know, where you are as far as in shape, um, and then also make sure the condition is up to par. Uh, we conditioned, I want to say, I think we had 10 days before the season. I believe we had like 10 days before the season um, that we could actually start practicing for real. And so I'm used to being able to condition and apply said conditioning. As an adult, it don't work like that for real. You can prepare how many hours you, you know, you like you can go crazy with preparation and it could be on point and you can have your notes and you can have like just now. I spent hours working on this. Right. I spent hours working on this because it like it, it comes easy to me. You know, I'm studying. This is mental health. I'm serious. I didn't account that I was going to drop this fucking water on the interface and possibly ruin the episode. For a split second, y'all saw me, I panicked. And not even a panic for real, just like, like, oh, well, not erasing it. But then I realized, oh crap, the water is something down there that could be damaged. So I gotta, I gotta get it. So it's like it don't come, it like it's not gonna come easy. What what I the reason why I'm bringing up the interface, because y'all know the last three episodes I've been telling y'all the recording has been difficult because of the interface. Now I just spent a quarter, I just spilled a quarter uh, of a water bottle on top of said interface. I didn't account for that when I was taking these notes. I didn't account for this happening three weeks in a row or something happening three weeks in a row, but it ain't gonna come easy. 
Am I going to stop the show every time, you know, I tap the mic? Am I going to stop the show when I have uh, mis uh, mishaps like that? Or am I going to keep it pushing? Y'all know I'm not embarrassed about nothing. The water fell. Oh, well, deal with it. I hope it didn't. I hope the sound didn't affect y'all ears or pop y'all ears. But, uh, I mean, hey. That takes me, you know, to the rugged individual. Does asking for help trigger your imposter syndrome? Do you struggle to see something as a success unless you have achieved it by yourself? You're most likely a rugged individualist. Bruh. It's so many things in life that should feel like a success that don't because I didn't accomplish it by myself. And I'm not saying that that's a good or a bad thing. What I'm saying is that that's how I feel. I always feel like when I come up with an idea, I have to see, I have to be the one to bring that idea to, to life. I can't have no, like in certain things, I just cannot have no help with or I'm not going to feel like it's mine. That comes from not having. That comes from poverty mind state. That comes from seeing your family struggle. That comes from seeing people um, take advantage of, of, of others. That comes from, you know, people presenting ideas and things. And then, you know, you, you present it for help. And then that person takes the idea and... Um, excludes you from the success of the idea. I've seen that a, a lot in my life. It forced me to, to be an individualist. I don't like sharing my ideas with people. I'm actually terrified of that. I don't, I don't want no help from people because people are shady and they're, they'll, 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 they'll come in as if you didn't already put in hella work and then they'll act like they're the reason why the thing elevated or they're the, they're the reason why the thing is, is here or there. And it's like, I can't deal with that because I'll slap the shit out of somebody for stealing my idea for real. Like, and I'm talking to somebody like face, like, like, like if I bring you into me and I know you as a human being, like it's going to create a high level of conflict if you do that to me. And so that's why it's very difficult for me to, you know, invite people on the podcast or create some like or, you know, present my idea and invite somebody in. Because it's like if you try to steal what I'm trying to do, like that's going to frustrate me. Because I've seen how people are treated that have the idea. And it's so hard for them to come back and say, no, I, I actually did that. That person, I, I actually brought that person in, shared my manuscript, shared you know, my idea, sure, my vision board shared, you know, all of that. And then they took that and ran. And so for me, it's, it, I, I got to do it by myself. I got to build this podcast by myself. I got to build Hill Avenue. I got to build the apparel by myself. Because either people want to take full credit for you or they want an astronomical amount of salary and it's just not going to happen. So it's a fear of mine. Like, and I'm, I'm being honest. Like, I don't, 
like when I have ideas for real, for real, like I journal them and um, I keep them. In the past, like I would share them, you know, with my person, but I don't have that person no more. So I just, I write shit down, I keep it pushing, you know, I research myself, see what type of funding is needed, see what I need to do. But once I identify who I am, I got to move that way. I got to start trying to figure out, like, is me being an individualist, is that the best thing for me? Is that conducive for me? Is there a better way for me to be this way? Like, y'all know, when I isolate, that, that's it. When I isolate, I'm isolating from everything. There is not one thing that, you know, I'm st- like, once I check out, I'm out. And that's just how it is. Again, I'm not saying that shit is healthy at all. Because I like it's weird because in me saying all that, I know no one just makes it by themselves. Like even if people would say I did this by myself, like they had somebody. Maybe not a consistent someone, maybe uh, maybe not someone that, you know, they could rely on every moment of the day. But throughout the journey, those little stopping points matter. Those little anchor points matter of people who gave you this suggestion and that suggestion. It matter. Luckily, you know, those people aren't the type of people who who try, you know, because there is success stories of people who, you know, just in conversation have inspired somebody and they not tripping. Because it's not meant for them. So it's again, it's it's two sides. It's two sides of the same coin. Some people will steal your ideas. No, I gave you that idea. Da 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 da. And it's like, fam, like. I had the idea, you made a suggestion, and it was able to piece it together, but the overall idea is mine, and then you get into this fight, well, if not, if we didn't have that conversation, you wouldn't have did this or did that, and it's just like, all right, cool, I got to be, I I have to um, have all my ducks in a row before I start inviting people in, because I'm still in a position where you could possibly take over, you know, my stuff, Without me even realizing it, so I'm very, I'm, I'm very um, protective of my shit. That shifts us into the expert. If you're an expert type, you probably prefer to spend time researching and gathering as much information as possible before you start a new project. You like to come into something new from a position of knowledge and expertise. And you probably regularly spend, regularly spend time looking for ways to improve your skill set or undergo extra training. However, this drive to become an expert can trigger imposter syndrome, holding you back from applying for jobs if you don't meet all the criteria in the, in the description or preventing you from speaking up in a seminar because you're afraid that your answer won't be perfectly informed. Bruh. If you know... Me, Kevin Lamont Howard Sr. I think this one is the one that sticks like sticks out to me. And I think this one is, is the one that frustrates me because this is what holds me back. It wasn't until a few months ago I was talking to my brother. I've been in the, the field that I'm in for over 20 years. I've been uh, mentoring for, let's see... Uh, probably same amount of time. No, not 20. I'll say like 15. Right? 
I never once looked for for a job that was in mentoring. I never looked for a job that was in community work. I never like I never done that. Why? Because I felt like I was not qualified. Like like I never looked for an official job. I did, you know, mentoring when I um I was a youth pastor, right? Um for about 5 years. And then I mentored the kids on the side. A lot of those kids grown with kids, married, stuff like that, good jobs, et cetera. Um, but I never officially looked for community-type jobs that could uh, that I could be doing like the thing that I love and actually get paid for it, right? I just, in my mind, did, I, I went to this vocational school. I learned how to code and build. This is what I know how to do. I have to stick to this thing. And so I've been in this field for 20 years, not looking for a near job outside of it, only solely looking for um, the same position in different areas. I was talking to my brother out of frustration, like, you know, I'm so tired of this job. Uh, da 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 da. We like we we having this conversation. And he's like, Peanut, you know, you could look for a job in what you actually are doing, right? And I was like, what? It sounded so foreign to me to look for a job in the thing that I'm actually passionate about or build build the thing that I'm actually passionate about versus looking for another job in the same field. And he's just like, like wait, why like what? Like he was baffled by me, like, no, nah, you know, I'm just, I'm looking for a job at another hospital. He like, bro, you, you, you do realize there's, there's jobs for you. I don't feel qualified for those things. I know, I know 104 episodes of, of, you know, of this virtual coaching basically and, and, and leading and, and trying to help people, you know, I got, um, you know, 10 plus hours of Hill Avenue so far. You know, I have the poetry, been doing poetry from a healing aspect for the past, since 10th grade, actually. What am I afraid of? Why am I afraid to go, you know, try to go that route? Why? Am, what am I afraid of? And I feel like it's the, the expert in me that I feel like I'm not qualified. I feel like even with research, um, I didn't, I don't have enough hours to do this thing because um, I didn't do it in a structured way like society tells us. We have to, you know, you have to go to college and get a psych degree um, and then you have to do community service and then you have to do some time for free. Da, da, da. And like, I'm looking at it and the only thing that I am missing is the psych degree. I have success stories with with teenagers and adults, right? But I don't talk about it because that's me. Why I'm a, why I'm a big myself up because I I I start thinking like that's not a, a a accolade. That's not a good accolade. A lot of people inspire. A lot of people coach. A lot of people you know do that. So I chill and I stay, I stay where I'm not necessarily comfortable at. I stay, I, I, I'm an expert here already. I don't have to do, like my job right now, I don't have to do no research about nothing. I could go to anywhere in the country and have the same exact, um, the same exact job and it be, and it be cool, right? Hold on for two seconds, y'all.
I forgot to put the daggone charger um, on the laptop. If y'all can hear me, I do apologize. Today is just one of those days. Today is just one of those days, y'all. And I apologize for all the side noise and stuff, but I'm still not, um, I'm still not taking it out because it's my podcast and I can do what I want. But I could go anywhere in the country and do the job that I have. Anywhere. It's just a matter of me learning the 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 rules of your job because what I do is universal. I code and I bill and I collect. That's it. What does your contract say? That's it. I just need to know what your contract says in regards to how much you're supposed to be paid. You don't have to tell me nothing else after that. I figured the system out. Just tell me, you know, tell me how to log in. So I'm comfortable there, extremely comfortable. So me even thinking about, you know, moving into a different position, and this is what we have. To, this is what we have to start realizing. That comfortability is going to have us settling in and being in positions that we can't stand to be in and don't really want to be in. And we have to bounce our. We have to bounce out of that. We have to break through that and understand that it's like. We all have a purpose. And everybody has a position in life that they're supposed to go through. Once you start realizing you have passions for something else, you gotta you gotta start trying to figure that part out. Like I've always like, I just don't like working for people in general, right? I I, I love getting paid. I love getting the paychecks and stuff like that. Um, and I always just like, oh man, I don't feel like going to work. Da 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 da. The moment that I found my purpose, I started hating, I start hating working for people like for real, for real, like altered who I was as a human being, because I just, I don't understand why I'm working for people. Before it was an irritation. Once my passion, like I started realizing my passion for real, it really was like, all right, I got to get the fuck up out of here. And so I started doing those things to, to move forward. I started studying what I needed to study and stuff like that. I, I, this podcast, this is about faith. I literally started this podcast because I lost Kennedy. One day I look up and I got, you know, four views. And I I could probably tell you who those four people were, right? But I kept doing it. I keep going. I'm 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 consistent about making sure I get these sessions in, you know, whenever whenever I I'm I'm not in those those depressive funks that really knock me knock me down. I'm very consistent at what I do. I look up now and I'm in twenty like there's twenty two different countries that listen to this podcast. Twenty two countries, not cities, countries. That's a very, very big deal to me. I'm a kid from Pasadena, California, ghetto kid at that. No, no college degree, anything like that. But I, I, I got to go through something. I had to go through something to get somewhere. And as I'm sharing it, this is worldwide. It's international. That's a very big deal. And I'm sitting here scared to move into my light because I'm already an expert here. I've already, I don't need to research this. I'm spending time researching business and manufacturing and, uh, and, and cloth and thread and colors and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. 
But if I want to be in it, I got I to gotta do it. And I can't be afraid. So that's why you have Peacefully Fought Apparel. No, it's not um, customized yet, but this is, the, this is the seed that's going to flourish customization. This is the seed that's going to take, you know, my athleisure brand to, you know, a, a for real brand where I get to create the pieces, where I sew the shit together and, and, and do that. And I create from, you know, from, uh, uh, from material to completion. It's a, I got to plant the seed. That's just like what, you know, with the podcast, like I know what I want to do with the podcast. I know how I see the podcast overall, but I got to put those hours in. Right. I, uh, Kev on stage said a long time ago, Hey, be comfortable with doing at least a hundred episodes with nobody ever, with, with nobody ever even paying attention. Be comfortable. I'm at 104 and people like people not even really be paying attention. Like low key people don't even be retweeting like a lot. I find myself having to ask people to, to retweet. I find myself having to ask. I don't think that I have to ask because it's not because it's a bad podcast or bad apparel or the book is bad or the the uh, the poetry, the spoken word is bad. I think we just live in a society that you got to do something like it's it's everything is you got to do something for me first. Because everybody looks at things like, oh, if I retweet it. That could be the matter of, you know, you going viral or not. And if you go viral off of my retweet, I'm not going to get paid for that. So I'm not going to do it off of rip. I'm not going to do it unless you ask me to, because if you ask me to, I can then come back and say, well, you asked me to do that. And this is what you got from that. Yada, yada, whatever. Like, it's no genuine people for real no more. It's not like everything is about everybody getting money. And I get that to to an extent, but it's just like because social media what it, is what it is, and it turns into, I, right, the only way you gonna do good in business is if you have thousands of followers and yada yada whatever, or you're going viral, or people are sharing your stuff, and it's just like that's why I always say, you know, people don't really want to heal for real. They don't they don't want to heal, and they don't want others to heal, because it's very rare that I see repost uh, like outside of the actual mental health and psychology pages that I follow. It's very rare that I see people retweeting any of mental health stuff if i'm being honest and then the, like when you look at it you know and you look at people's bio who are retweeting it they're in the field so it's like there's no outsiders really trying to help promote their people and i don't have millions for marketing but i'm also not gonna quit because people are not on the same page with me this is my book this is my book i gotta figure out how to get through it I got to stop being scared of, of applying that thing. I got to stop, you know, being afraid to move forward. We all got to stop doing that. Yeah, we're comfortable where we're at because we're the, it's our expertise. But it's going to kill our passion if we stay in there and we're not supposed to be there. I'm not supposed to be in this goddamn job this long. I've been had purpose. I've, I've, I've been had purpose in... Shout out to Sammy. I'm, every time I think about it, I'm going to shout Sammy out. That day that he asked me, yo, you think this your purpose? And re, like, it was like the Matrix. Re, yeah, it is. I feel it in my spirit. Like, when I get up to do this podcast, no, like, I've been up since 4 o'clock this morning to get the pod done. They don't know y'all. Like I, like, I take this seriously. 
I'll be spending, you know, I'll be spending hours trying to get these notes together and try to get the subject because I'm trying to help people for real. But I suffer from imposter syndrome and this stuff, like I'm telling you, I'm, I'm figuring this stuff out really, you know, as I'm taking notes and I'm just like tears is just flowing because I'm thinking I'm broken. I'm thinking of how hard that, you know, I fight to not be seen, but to just succeed. I come from an era of that's cool, but what next? You don't get to um, sit in your success for too long. But failure, you can you can fail one time. And that shit will follow you for your entire life. For your entire life, you can succeed today. And by tomorrow, they're like, all right, so what you going to do better? Think about sports. When the person win the championship. Y'all did good, but let's see if y'all can come back and do it again. What? The confetti not even finished falling. What the fuck are you talking about? And that's how life that's how life is, and that's how we get in these positions of just not uh, uh, acknowledging who we are. And then when life starts to slow down for us, you end up where I'm at right now. Feeling like, how do I be dope? How do I acknowledge that? I have a shoe line, a clothing, a clothing brand, a podcast. I have four studio albums working on a fifth. I have a whole last book of poems that I own, uh, grief coaching, uh, uh, inspirational speaking. Like, how do I say that and be okay with it? Like, I cringe hearing it out loud because I'm so used to, yeah, that's cool, but what's next? When I look at the list of things that I have going on and things, how I'm trying to help the people and the ideas that I have to help the people, I get emotional because it's like, I'm not going to tell y'all. Because everybody just says, what's next? I don't get to come up with an idea, bring it to fruition, it be successful, and I get to enjoy it. It's My mind just does not allow me to, to do that. It doesn't allow me to, to pat myself on the back for being a solid parent, for being a good parent. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't allow me to, to pat myself on the back for being a solid poet in uh, doing this podcast stuff. It doesn't, I don't get an opportunity to pat myself on the back of the why I started the podcast. I got to keep pushing, even, even on the negative side, I, like, Kennedy died and life moved on for everybody. I don't get that option. I'll always feel her missing. So it's like everywhere around me, whether it's good or bad, I don't get the, I, I've never gotten the option to just sit in the success. So now as an adult, when I'm doing things that are dope, um, whether it be the business, whether it be me as an artist, a parent, a partner, like I just like, oh, okay, that, I'm supposed to do that. That's the mentality that I have with everything because even when, even from when I was younger, you don't get to sit and be like, it, it's super duper weird. You don't get to sit and be happy for the accomplishment. 
you have to like the accomplishment hits and you immediately are on to the next thing because don't nobody give a fuck about what you did. They don't, they don't care. They just want to make sure you're, you occupied and busy and not bothering them. So they, you know, when you tell like, yo, I just won a championship. All right, cool. Win one next year. Hey, I just ran, I, I, I just, you know, I just ran my race and I, and I won, I, I did, I, I did a PR. All right, cool. So get it better. Oh, well, I'm, I'm number five in, in, in this ranking. All right, get to number one. And then life slows down and that's what you have to deal with. You have to deal with feeling like I can't move to the next thing until I'm sure. Because I'm an expert right here. And if I start back at the beginning, the disrespect is going to start again. The what can you, like, I don't care what you did over at that company. What can you do here? I don't care what you did in that relationship. What could you do here? I don't care how you provided and did for this kid. What you going to do here? We don't get the, we don't get the opportunity, you know, mothers, fathers, uh, women, men, Husband, spouse, however you want to slice it. We don't get like we don't give each other that level of grace that's necessary to allow us not to be the fucking expert. To feel okay with, all right, I'm not sure about this thing, but I'm aware enough and and open enough to learn this thing. So I'm a, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm apply for it. We have to start showing ourselves grace and this imposter syndrome really, it, it affects a lot of people way, you know, I'm just figuring out that this is what it is. It's people who have been dealing with this for so long and still don't really realize the full capacity of what imposter syndrome is doing to them. And, and mainly because they look at it from today they're not taking it back to how it was created in their youth. And that's something for me that I'm dealing with as I'm going through these different phases. And I think that's what really, you know, made me emotional and, and start crying for real. Because I'm looking at how it was created. I'm looking at what, like, like, how did I get here? And so I'm, I'm, I'm reeling back to when I'm young and I'm, I'm, I'm remembering not being able to sit in success even at a young age. Like, I know it's necessary, but I'll give you a tangible example. It's a run for the uh, Pasadena Running Roses, right? And it sucks because once you, are, once you realize you are good or once you show that you are good, more gets added to you, whether you want to or not. And so we would run the events in the event that we won. Well, in the event that we won or lost, but let's say we won. You don't get to sit down. You got to go do your warm down. You do your warm down, uh, you get you some fruit, you get you some water, and then you're right back warming up for the next event. That's how life is. That's how life is. Even in football, even throughout uh, through throughout high school or throughout you know Pop Warner, we practice Monday through Friday. We have the games on Saturday. 
Sunday is our only day off. We're, we're right back to it on Monday. Hell week is always all week, two, uh, two a days, you know, conditioning, plays, uh, film work. That's how life is. It, life is not set up for you to be able to appreciate where you're at. So once you get there and get to a certain extent, you you stay there. You're complacent there because you don't want to go through the rigor remote of trying to learn a new thing. Nobody wants to be the new guy because it's so difficult because even as a new guy, when you are um, when you have a, a high level of, of intelligence and you're able to figure things out very quickly and you're able to succeed very quickly, even as a new guy, they don't give a fuck. They do not care. They don't care. And so it goes back, the expert part of imposter syndrome shifts you back to the individualist you go there you keep your head down you do your work you dip you don't you know uh if they ask you to be on special projects you do your part that's it you don't go over and beyond you turn in whatever you turn in even in school and group projects you know you do your part you 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 do you give it and that's just what it is but when you're when you're when you have to go back mentally to your childhood to see why, why it's hard for you to um, acknowledge your achievements, it's painful. Like it gets, it gets really, really difficult when you start like really paying attention. And I don't want to like, I don't want to blame any, I don't want to blame anybody. And even though it sounds like I'm blaming, but it's people that's responsible for you to have certain foundational qualities and characteristics. And when you don't get those and you have to find them yourself, that becomes difficult. So it's like it's certain things that, you know, I should have learned as a kid, certain things that should have been taught to me as a kid. Because I be like, I always say, look, I, if you had a messed up childhood, cool. At some point, you're an adult, right? And you have to figure out things for yourself. I never realized mentally, right? Mentally. If it was something that I was supposed to learn as a, uh, as a toddler, if it was something that I was supposed to learn as an adolescent, as a teen, that I didn't learn, right? And I go and I try to learn it myself as an adult. I have to take my mind back to when I was supposed to learn it to even grasp it for real. Because learning it as an adult, something that I was supposed to be foundational as a kid, it's going to put you at a deficit because you don't understand it for real. So now I'm spending time trying to understand this emotion or that emotion that I should have been able to, or, or characteristic that should have been taught to me or uh, guided properly when I, was, when I was younger, right? I tell y'all, it's my podcast, say what I want. Like I have an issue where once I love you, you're getting everything. You're like, you're like you're getting everything. I'm going to work myself to the to the bone, um, and I'm going to make sure that you know once my needs are are done, you're getting everything. Like that's just what it is. Not that that's a bad thing to a certain extent, but when I'm that like I'm that way, like that's who I am as a human being. Like you know, it like when when I say love, I don't mean just romantic love. Like if we cool. And I feel like, you know, like you my dog. Like if I got it, I'm if I got it, you got it. 
But that's because when I was younger, I'm doing stuff like buying the, I'm six, seven, eight years old, buying outfits for my quote unquote girlfriend. And everybody, oh, that's cute. That's crazy. I can't believe you did that. And they're looking at it like, oh, well, you was like, you were supposed to be buying stuff for the family. You bought stuff for your girl. Like, you're going to be such a gentleman. You're going to be such a, and it's like, that was never corrected. So fast forward, like, I'm, I'm breaking bread with, with, with my partners. I'm breaking like I'm I'm going out of my way to make sure they're good in 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 if I'm being honest, the part where I'm seeing after my needs is met is very recent. Very recent. I used listen, I used to just give it like I didn't I, I didn't have responsibilities. I mean I always made I always ended up being able to cover my responsibilities, but for a long while, I just was just giving, 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 because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Nobody corrected it when I was little. It's cute. You're going to be such a good man. My mind attached to, uh, attached giving and buying outfits and buying purses and, and buying dinners. My mind said, oh, that makes me a nice, uh, they said that was going to make me a nice man. I'm a man now, so I got to keep doing that. And where you're dealing with people who who don't understand that um, that's not cool. You you're dealing with with takers that that don't get, they gonna keep taking. And once you snap into reality, you're gonna feel like oh dang you took advantage of me because you knew that I was a giver, and that it's not their fault because who's going to turn down somebody who's just giving giving giving? But again, I gotta I gotta I trace that back to my childhood. It wasn't corrected. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. I'm me. I've always been me. I, like they say, you know, you was here before. I really feel like I was here before because I've been old. I've been old since I've been young. I don't know if it's because, you know, I was a very sickly kid and I was, you know, I really didn't get to do much early on or what. But I do know that a lot of stuff that should have been corrected, um, like that that came off as positive as loving as uh, characteristics of a of a good man i know those things should have should have been corrected i always say you know living living lives and action and characteristics that you don't understand without correction is a, a recipe for disaster doing anything without true understanding is a recipe for disaster so if it's never corrected and i'm going years and years and years of, of believing this and then when i become an adult and i'm like mm, I see some of the things that my that my sons be doing, and I'm like, hey, that's the only thing you should be doing that. And we have conversations about it. Not because I'm trying to be in their business or not because I'm trying to run them, but I'm like, oh, shit. If I allow you to make it to adulthood without correcting this thing, it's going to be curtains, and you, it, it, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with with this thing happening and, and seeing that there's a possibility of it happening because I didn't tell you that that was not the way to go, right? And so, again, that feeds into this imposter syndrome um, as a whole. And that's just how it, that's just how it, it, it works when you are not being corrected properly. The expert transitions into the superhero. <laughs> I just literally said, like, I, I'll work myself to the bone to make sure people are good. 
especially if I feel like I'm responsible. If I feel like I'm responsible for you, it's over. You don't really got to do nothing for real. Because I'm going I'm to I'm get to it the best I can. That's just, that's, that's who I am. You gonna, if you, you, I'll be dead asleep, a need will pop up, I'm going to jump up if I, could, if I could deal with it. That's just who I am. Super, the superhero pushed themselves to work harder than everyone around them to prove that they are not imposters. The expectations for themselves are higher than their expectation of others, and they feel a sometimes overwhelming need to succeed in every element of their life, at work and at home. That's 100% me. Again, I had no clue what I, I, I heard people talk about imposter syndrome, um, and I'm not one to jump on bandwagons and just be like, oh, well, I got imposter syndrome, too, because you explained it that way. That's not how that worked. And so I just never really looked into it. I never really cared about it. I thought it was just a thing that people was, was saying, and I just let it go. But then something hit this past week or two, and like that was something that... Uh, that I wanted to research, like, what is this for real? Like, let me, let me figure out, um, as I'm going through this journey with my mental health, like I'm really trying to like figure shit out. And so when I start reading up on it, the, uh, I started with just the definition of it. And I was like, Oh, let me, let me really dig deeper into this. And so the superhero part is like all five of these pieces of imposter syndrome affected me in a very, very difficult way, uh, very frustrating, very emotional way, because again, I gotta, I, I gotta figure out where it came from. And sometimes, you know, the hurt and the pain is not even from actual heart, the harshness of life. It's like, dang, like, you had no idea that was gonna, like, they had no idea them not correcting me was gonna turn me into what I am now. They had no idea. And when people on the outside hear it, it's like, wait, you did what? For who? How much? It's like, I, I be tripping. Like, why do you think that that's, that's wrong? But then when you step back out of yourself, it's like, it's not that it's wrong, but it's like, are you, are you taking care of yourself? Are you like, like, like it's so many things that I could have done, like, um, Over the past, maybe, I can't even give you a time. It's so much stuff that I could have had done that I wanted to get done if I wasn't who I was in results to just giving. Because when I tell y'all, I don't care, I don't have, I don't care. I just give. Like, it just is what it is. I believe that, you know, um, no, I'm not rich or anything like that, but I believe that it'll it'll come back to me one way or, or or the other. I'm not helping you to say that I helped you. I'm helping you because you need help, and I I'm I'm able to do it. I, it's not for you to tell everybody that I helped you. It's not for me uh, to tell anybody that I helped you. You know, and I know. But I, but that's the thing that wasn't corrected. Now now once I realize that. Um, once I realize that that is not a correct way to move and I gain understanding about who I am in results of how I want to give and how I want to help um, and start realizing that nobody's coming for me. Like nobody's coming to help me for real. 
like nobody like like nobody's about to put twenty thirty thousand in my lap like and be like all right just cook let me see what you can do with let me see what you can do with this situation nobody's coming for me and i'm i'm aware of that and so now i invest into me before i help before i give out I didn't do that before. It doesn't matter if we're in a relationship or not. I'm going to make sure that I'm good. Yeah, I hear you. You know, you're going through things too. We're going through things. But if, if, if my needs are not done, I can't help. Before, I would put my needs secondary. Whether it be financially, emotionally, sexual, uh, sexually, I will put my needs secondary and just do, you know, give everything outwardly. That superhero uh, mentality, uh, it gets tiring. It gets really, really tiring and it affects you. Like I had a conversation with, with the kids, you know, I told you one of them was high. One of them um, was just acting up and I'm just like, y'all are about to make me put my hands on y'all. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand like low key, the superhero, like it, when you press for so often, that shit dies. And it's like, no, nah, I'm the villain now. I'm the villain. And you're going to get every piece of, like, like as equally as I was the superhero is as equally as I'm going to be the villain. And you're going to get every piece of emotion, whether it be good, harsh, crazy, whatever. You're going to get that. Like, I had to tell them, like, y'all y'all bugging. Like, y'all really don't understand. Like, it's just me. I've been, I've been who I am consistently your entire existence and this is how you guys trip out so the superhero shit is gone even in relationships like i like overprotective like i'm gonna make sure you got whatever it is that that you need or whatever uh even if it's at the detriment of myself i'm gonna make sure that you good and that's just what it is i mean the the the, the homies call it captain Sable, but it's just like i'm just a all i wanted to do was be a good husband and good father that's it since I was a kid, poetry came in 10th grade. The cafe came in 10th grade. Um, me being an author came in 10th grade. The podcast and, and the apparel that came when Kennedy died in 2019. So that's new. But being a, a father and, and, and good partner, that's all I wanted to do. Like, that, that's it. And it doesn't matter if it's, again, if it's my kids, the stepkids, the, the God babies, the neighborhood kids, that's it. That's all I wanted to do is to make sure that, you know, people don't live the life that I lived. I'm not trying to say my life was, you know, drastically horrible, but there's a lot of things that I would like to change if I could. And so when I see these, these, these kids in the street and they're struggling with whatever, my kids struggling with whatever, it's like, now nah, I want to make sure I, I, I give you a word, not so I can say that I'm the one that did it, but because clearly nobody is doing it. But when you're doing it for so long without appreciation, when you're doing it for so long without you know, uh, things going right. And there's so much combativeness going on between you and the things that you're trying to help with. It's like, no, nah, I'm not going to be a superhero. I'm a, I'm, I'm energy for energy. Like right now I told the, I told the boys, I am now energy for energy. Take me off the pedestal. Like I am now black Adam. Like I don't really give a fuck for, I'll, I'll burn this whole shit up. Cause you get tired, even in relationships. Like I've had to tell people before, like, I'm not scared of you for real. 
Like now I know who I am. See, before it's like, all right, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to lose you. So I'm going to do what you say, how you say. I'm going to walk on eggshells. Um, I'm going to speak this way and not really speak my mind for real because like I love you for real, but and I don't want to lose you. But like you get on my nerves for real. I love you and still want to be with you forever, but you get on my nerves for real. Or, you know, you're a little bit aggressive or whatever. Like before I just, I, I would, now I'm like, hey fam, listen, I'm very much cool with being by myself. I don't like, I'm, I'm here now, I'm 40. I'm content. I got hella kids. I got the business that, that, that I'm running, like I'm occupied. I, I could be my meat if I need to be my meat or whatever the case is, but all that superhero shit is gone. We're going to be on equal playing fields, whether it be emotionally, sexually, financially. We're going to be on equal playing fields. Um, we're going to have great communication, um, whether it's a relationship with, with uh, a romantic relationship with my kids or whatever. Like, we're going to be on the same playing field, period. I'm not putting you on a pedestal. Take me off. Understand that I'm going to respond to you how I should respond to you, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the energy that you give me because me trying to fight through negativity, me trying to fight through your, your uh, you holding um, or, or uh, fight through your walls or you, you guarded or whatever, um, even with my kids, like my, my twin, he's so guarded and it's weird to me. Like I've been your dad for 15 years. Why are you guarded with me? And if you know me as a parent and how open I am, you would be like, yo, that's hella weird. Even in relationships, why are you guarded with me? I'm, I'm giving you all of me fresh out the gate so you will know what, what type of time it is. And you, if you stick around two months, three months, and then you realize, oh, shit, this is really who he is for real. Why are you guarded with me? I get it. We all have a representative. I don't have one. I've always been hard love, immediate. Because I need you to see who I am immediately. I need you to see how hard I love and that I'm going to be there whenever you, whenever you call to the best of my ability. I need you to know I'll die about it. I need you to know I'll knock somebody's head off for you. I'll die about it, for real. So I give my all, even with my kids. I need them to know. Like I, When I go to bat for my kids, I make sure to make a statement. I make sure that you are aware that regardless of where I am, I'm, I'm going to be here for my kids and nobody's going to just do nothing to them freely. I almost got into a fight with a police officer because they stopped my kids for nothing. And all I saw was my kids being harassed and he's like, oh, you need to move. I said, you need to get my motherfucking kids, bro. I'll die about this. I'm not playing that. I told my, I said, yo, get in the car. Get like, get in the car. Like, I'm not, I'm not here for the bullshit. Like, so when I say like, I got to make a statement, I got to make sure that they know that no matter what, I'm going to protect them. No matter what, I'm going to believe in them. No, even when they do shit like they did the past few weeks, I believe in my kids. Even my exes, the ones that, that, that done me dirty, the ones that done my kids dirty, for whatever reason, I, I have hope that they'll, they'll be better people one day. I have hope that they're not sitting back and just like, oh, he did, he did, he did, instead of saying, well, I did, 
this as well. I could have handled this differently. I could have said this. Like anybody that I deal with, I hope they're able to, you know, shit, I hope they listen to the podcast and understand where I'm at with it on accountability and understand I no longer accept that. I'm not a superhero no more. Now nah, you did that too. It wasn't just me. We, we was both there. But I'm not going to blame you for that. I'm not going to blame the kids for that. Like the situation with twin. I, all right, you was there. I was there. I'm not about to beat up, beat you over your head with the situation. Just know that you affected the way that I, the the way that I allow you to move, because now I don't know, I don't, I don't kind of know what's what's going on. But when you in stuck in that superhero mode and you feel like I gotta push myself to the very hardest level that I could push myself to, to the closest point of perfection, and then I fail, now I'm like, dang, I like, I'm useless. Every time I got to tell the kids, not right now, I feel useless. Every time. Every time, you know, when I'm in a relationship, if I got to, like, we can't do that right now. We can't afford this. Like, not even an ego thing. It's just like, I feel useless. Never mind that I just bought all these shoes and clothes. Never mind, you know, you guys always have food. Never mind I'm paying the bills. Never mind, you know, you guys are free to do whatever. Never mind y'all have phones and tablets and video games. Never mind any of that. The moment that I have to say, nah, not right now, it devastates my life. I feel like the worst parent in the world. I feel like the worst partner in the world. Like if my partner like, hey, I need a hundred. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even got it. Never mind how many of the hundreds I sent. Even when it's like, you know, honeydew type things. And it's just like, dang, like I, I had 10 things on there. I only did nine. I feel useless. And I know that that's a me thing. And so I had to kill the superhero in me and just be like, all right, cool. Like, let's do energy for energy. I'm going to give you what you give me. I need you to, to, to give me what I give you. You know, well, and I'm talking energy wise, not tangible things. But reading that, it frustrated me because, again, I'm pulling back, like I'm pulling uh, uh, childhood memories of why do I feel like this? Why do I um, have to go through this? Like, like what happened to get me to this point as an adult to where I'm so confused and, and so off about certain things? Like, what happened? And then it's like, dang. And you start thinking about the people who should have taught you. That's why I love my brother, uh, Duck, so much, man. Like, it sucks that me and my eldest brother don't have a... Um, it sucks that me and my eldest brother don't have a very uh, deep relationship. And that sucks because it's like that's that like we grew up together. But this is why I love my brother, Doug, because he going to make sure he teach me something. It don't it don't matter if I want to hear it. It don't matter if I think it's necessary for my life. It, it, it don't matter since I was a child. And it, you would think that because like, I fully say this with my entire chest. I feel like he's my father. And you would think he's five, six, seven years older than me, but he's two years, he's two years older than me. And he has impacted my life from the time I could remember following him around um, when we lived in the Jordan Down Projects and then playing baseball. And I'll never forget him being on second base and me going to stand with him. And he's looking like, like, what are you doing? I'll never forget that. Red hat, uh, uh, overall, I had on some blue overalls. 
And he's like looking at me. We was a little kid. Like he's like, bro, what are you doing? But that was my guy. And 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 ever since I could remember, he's always um, had advice for me, had guidance for me. You know, and it's always been insightful. You know, a lot of times I'm I'm still his little brother, and sometimes it's like, bro, I don't want to hear that. But he's like my father, and I respect him, so I'm going. I, I sit there and listen. And a lot of times he be saying stuff that, um, that as a little brother, I'm like, I don't need that. I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. And then later on, I ended up needing it. Like he's the reason why I'm able to stay calm sometimes, a lot of times actually. Like I'll never forget, I got jumped. The day I got jumped and day actually I met my, you know, me and my best friend, like that was the start of our friendship. I'll never forget, I was so, so hurt. I was so distraught. I was so confused and I'm just cussing up a storm. F this, F that, da 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 da. I'm just going off. I didn't, I didn't see that my brother, like, I didn't see that somebody had told my brother. And at this time, um, my cousin J Mac was living with us, and he was in school with us too. I don't know how, I don't know what happened, but I got jumped, and they found out. I'm sitting here cussing, and I'm going off, and I'm thinking they gonna be like, "Oh, I, I understand." Both of them was like, hey, like, who are you talking to? I just got, ju hey, you better calm down. And I'm looking like, I'll never forget that. What that showed me and what that told me in that moment is that I don't have to be belligerent in, in pain. I don't have to be aggressive in pain. I don't gotta I don't gotta change my character because I'm hurt. I don't have to I don't have to go outside of the gentle person that I am because I'm hurt. And so throughout life, even when hurt, I go out of my way to make sure that I'm speaking properly. I go out of my way to make sure I'm not disrespecting people, even in my responses. Even before I got to this point of my response is being predicated on if I want you in my life or not. It's because of that that moment that, hey, what you doing? Like, nah, like, don't do that. And so a lot of that stuff, you know, um, being able to remove myself from superhero status, but also, you know, being able to remove that from other people for myself. Like, my brother is a superhero to me. He always has been. But I had to, I had to reduce that thought of him so that I can learn properly. So that when he's telling me certain things and the little brother in me is like, bro, I don't want to hear this shit. The that's my father low key kicks in like, no, pay attention because something going to be said and you're going to be able to use it. You're going to need it that you, you don't know or whatever. And it's been like that since I could remember falling around him. And I'm able to see I'm able to see see that and say that now at 40 because it's like that's what the reality of it of it was. Like for so long, you know, you you hold people on these pedestals and you have the superhero syndrome and you try to push yourself to perfection. I, like you, you you try to push yourself. Um I had a conversation with him, I think 10th grade year, yep, 10th grade year. I think that was the that was my transition of real life, right? Uh, me trying to find myself. And because people have been calling me little duck, like my brother called me Peanut my entire life. 
My brothers called me Peanut my entire life. But outside, people called me Little Duck because he is Duck. I remember in 10th grade, I quit football solely because people kept calling me Little Duck. I don't know what happened. I, I, it was just, I, I'm assuming it was, it was a, a seasonal depression thing, but I quit football and started playing basketball. He snitched on me to, my, to our eldest brother. Now, mind you, we don't have the best relationship, me and my eldest brother. But I ain't dumb. That's still my, that's still my older brother, right? I don't, like, I don't want beef with my elder. I don't want beef with both of them at the same time regardless of what the relationship is. I'll never forget, he snitched to our oldest brother, and he, my oldest brother picked us both up. I don't even remember, listen, I don't even remember where we were going, but all I know is we wasn't in the area that we was from. And Doug looked back like, so what's up? But I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm in the back, I'm in the backseat tripping because, like, one, we were at, at that time in our life, we wasn't kicking it like that. Like we like I'm in 10th grade. That means Duck is a senior. Kenny is, is is out of school at this point. Right. So it's like we're not in this. We're like me and my eldest or my me and Duck don't have the same friend group. And KB is out of school. Him and Duck don't have the same friend group. So we don't kick it like this. Like clearly we're out the house type type deal, just living life. So I freaked out. And I'm thinking he about to go off and da-da-da-da. He's like, so what's up? And I'm like, nothing. I don't, don't want to play football no more. I'm play basketball. He he been my brother my entire life. He know I ain't been more interested or skilled at basketball. But I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to try it. 10th grade, too, at that. And he's like, why? I said, because, like, nobody see me for who I am. I'm tired of being a little duck. Like I, I work too hard for this, and no matter what I do, whether like whether I do good at football, oh that's little duck. He played just like his brother. Whether I'm on the track, oh that little duck super fast, right? And and I kept getting lost in that. And the conversation that I had with my brothers on that ride. I'm glad that, like, I'm remembering it right now as I'm talking to y'all, and I'm about, I'm about to get emotional because that ride affected me more than I thought that it would. The conversation with them of, hey, we all get into these situations to where we're trying to find our own identity, and you don't got to do it by yourself. Like, if you quit football to quit football, quit it to quit. Like, quit football because you're done with it, but don't quit it because you can't deal with this. If you don't want to be called Little Duck no more, address it. Address it. And I start going nuts on the football field. I start going super stupid and track. I start dating, I start, you know, feeling better. I start, you know, talking a little bit different. You know, I end up quitting, uh, I end up quitting the basketball team um, because I shouldn't have been there in the first place. I'm not a basketball player. I went back to the football, the, the football team, got back to it, like immediately earned my starting position back because I'm that guy. And that was that. 
I never had the issue again. I never, I like, I don't have identity issues to where I, I like, I don't have that no more because of that conversation that I had with my brothers, and they probably won't ever remember it. But I remember it. I remember KB. That was when uh, KB had the uh, his black Jetta. I saw the superhero that moment. I saw the superheroes in both of them allowing me to be who I am and understanding like how I felt um, being the youngest kid. So again, when I'm pulling stuff back, it's not just bad memories that create triggers. It's it's, it's good memories that that create issues that I'm just like, man, I can't I can't believe it because like. I also, in identifying that, it's like, dang, I remember not really having a, a a good relationship with my eldest brother, but I remember moments where him and Duck, like, like they were a big part of who I am. They're a big part of me being able to to come this far before the mental issues took over. Like, and I'm grateful for that, and I, and I appreciate that, for real, for real. Um, and it's going to, those, like, as I'm pulling stuff back and, and, and trying to figure it out, those moments that I had with them are going to pop up and they're going to be helpful. You know, I know some tears are going to be shed about it, but it's, it's crucial in identifying who I am. And I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Um, I, was looking on, I was looking online the other day in one of, you know, you know how you do middle of the night can't sleep so you're scrolling i saw a little duvall post a uh, post a comment and it said too much exposure before understanding is the recipe for delusion and that spoke volumes to me um i've been saying it but just in a different way but to actually read it out loud from someone else um to point out the importance of understanding before you move into something. It's imperative as we go through our our mental health journey that we understand what the diagnosis is, that we understand what the, you know, what that entails. What does depression entail? What does anxiety entail? What does paranoia entail? You know, even with your physical ailments, what does what does that entail? Like you have to acknowledge it. You have to gain some understanding before you um, start taking different pills, start taking different actions, you know, speaking on certain things. You have to have certain um, level of understanding before exposing yourself to it. And it's like that's something that, you know, that we all should really pay attention to, the importance of understanding. I told you guys, you know, once I'll tell you a million times, I move in understanding. A lot of things that people care about for real, I don't really care about for real because my understanding is different. Like, I forgive a lot of things that people probably won't forgive. Like, I don't I don't have those same, those same hangups because I'm understanding people as, um, I'm understanding people as human beings and not as possessions. The possession, like when you start getting possessive, uh, you lose understanding and you lose reality of situations uh, because you start to believe you own that thing, meaning that thing should be uh, what you want it to be at all times, regardless of what, you know, what's going on in that person or that, that, that situation. Like you feel like it's you, you're the it and all. But when you have understanding, you're you're more un, you, like when you have understanding, mistakes don't 
don't hit the same. Especially if 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 you can help with the mistake, like if you can help the person through the mistake. When you have a level of understanding, certain conversations just they just don't hit the same. Because you're not looking at it from that one-sided possessive view. It's like, uh, you're a human being and you, you know, you hurt too, and you have mental health issues too, or you going through something too, and you had a frustrating day too. It's not just me. And so it helps. And so that that was so profound to me, even though again it's something that I've you know that I've said multiple times just in a different way. But too much exposure before understanding is a recipe for delusion. And I don't want y'all in these streets going crazy. See, I need to remember that no matter the darkness, no matter the struggle, no matter the journey, we have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. So we got to get to it. What's going on, y'all? Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Head over to PeacefullyFlawed.com for your Peacefully Flawed apparel, your podcast merch, and a copy of King's Collective. Also, Second Power is available there on, on the site. Again, www.peacefullyflawed.com. If you want to donate to the podcast, head over to Good Pods. Um, download the app. There's a tip jar over there. Also, just download that app in general. It's a very good uh, place to listen to your podcast. You can interact with your host um, in real time uh, to get that connection that, that's needed to get you through to the next episode. Um, if you want to donate to The Complex overall, you can go over to our Twitter page at The Complex. There's a tip jar over there. Um, also, if you are one of those people who would like, share, and comment, I appreciate you already for whatever you do. Continue to support. Continue to let people know about the podcast. I keep saying we got to go through something to get somewhere. So let's do it together. It's all love. I appreciate you all. Peace.